I talk to clients and I ask them, when you started your company, was your goal to make sales or to make money? And everybody says, my goal was to make money. All right. So the goal wasn't just to sell jobs. Well, no. So if you're not making money on this particular job, why are you hustling to get it? Chopping, chopping, chopping. Well, congratulations. Now you got a job. And if you don't know your numbers, did you even make any money? And then what people don't realize is all the service calls that can come down the road actually start to make even less, if not come to a loss. If I can't make money, I'm not going to do it. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And with me, I have return guest. I think this is probably his third or fourth or fifth time. I can have him probably every week for the next year, and you guys would get a ton of value out of it. We just we don't have the time to do that. <laughs> but maybe in our old age, maybe that's something you and I could do, John, is we'll have our own little our own little podcast where we just get on and talk for an hour every week and talk about what's going on. But for now, we are going to talk about 2021. For people that don't know you, John, I'm going to ask you to give the quick version of your story, quick. We are, as we are recording this, we are just a couple days before Christmas. You guys will probably be hearing this very soon, actually. Our, my intention is to release this at the beginning of January, because one of the things that I hope that this will do is it will encourage you to be with us, to join us January 26th and 27th for Accelerate live. Now, in-person is, you know, as far as we're concerned at this point is, is basically sold out. However, you can buy virtual tickets and you can join us. And we have got a lineup that anybody that's been to our events knows that we put on an event that is all about how do you grow a business that helps you make and keep more money and design a business that really works without you. And it works for you rather than you working for it. And a great example of somebody that has done that is this guy, John Anglis from Carefree Home Pros in Avon, Connecticut. And John actually, so here's another thing. John is the only speaker that has been at every, aside from me, of course, but every Accelerate event since they started in 2017. So 17, 18, 19, 20, and he's going to be back again in 21. And if he continues to put up with me, he'll be here in 22 and 23 and 24. One of my favorite people in the home improvement business. And so he will be there. He will be speaking. And if you haven't seen John live, it is one thing to see John live. It's another thing to listen to him via podcast or watch him on recorded. There are things he does live that most other people can't get away with. And he is very entertaining, but also delivers so much value in such little time. So John, 
welcome. Thanks for having me. You know, part of the reason I did that is because it's for John too, because it's like, I've got to build him up this much. Boy, he better deliver. Boy, he better perform. Right, John? That's right. Yeah. But me and John were just talking. John John and I have, have a lot in common. And one of the things that we have in common is it's just never good enough for us. We're just always constantly striving to be better. And every year he shows up with better, better, better content, more value, more value. And this year will be no different or 2021 when you're listening to this will be no different. So if you are interested in joining me and joining John and a bunch of others, go to accelerateevent.com, accelerateevent.com com and that's where you get your ticket so that's me selling accelerate for those of you that are watching us on video on youtube john has his accelerate shirt on just awesome accelerate mode on so john tell the people that don't know who you are and have never heard you before give them the quick version the quick john you got to tell john quick and you got to put a timer in front of him. Yeah, Most of the time he right. ignores it. <laughs> and then later he says to you, well, no, wait a minute. I hit the time. I hit the time. Yeah. The clock stopped 15 minutes ago, John. Right. But go on. Sorry. That's all right. So my wife today, but my then girlfriend told me about telemarketing when I was about 17 years old. So I was going from like 5.15 an hour to 6.10 plus bonuses. So I got that job at a security system company, which lasted about a month. Then I ended up at a home improvement company next. And that job was basically changed my life. I became a telemarketing manager within nine months. I graduated high school, was the first full-time employee for this company. And then I was engaged to be married and a baby on the way at 19 years old and couldn't afford to work on the telemarketing manager salary. So I begged my, the owner to let me go sell. And when you're 19, but you look like you're 14, you know, that probably wasn't going to be a good mix, but he finally allowed me to go out just so I fall on my face and be done. And I think I remember selling eight in a row and, you know, didn't look back. Then the entrepreneurial seizure, 20 years old with a baby and a car and a dog and a, a wife, no health insurance, no money in the bank. I decided I'm going to start a home improvement company in January. <laughs> so in Connecticut. Yeah, in Connecticut, selling exterior products. I didn't, I didn't think too far ahead. So anyway, I lost that business. And then from that point, after a couple of years, when I lost that business, there was about an 18-month period where I had 18 jobs in 18 months, no joke, trying to find that $100,000 a year job, and I, I couldn't find it. So I remember reluctantly getting my tax return done because I thought I owed money. I didn't do it for six years. I got the letter from Uncle Sam. Turns out I got $6,000. So with that money, my wife and I started making phone calls in our condo bedroom within 30 days of making our own leads and selling. I put together about 20 grand, got an office. Was it April of 2020? No, 2001. And here we are. Uh, we have Carefree about 20 years later and doing okay. So if I can, just a little, let me add a little bit to that. So for 10, 12, 13 years, like a lot of other people, of us, John built a business, struggled, made some money, struggled, lost everything, started again. About the time that I met him, we, when we met, he was at that point where he's like, you know, I want to get to the next level. I want to, 
you know, banging his head against the wall. How do I do this? How do I do it? To his credit, he finally figured out, hey, look, I got to get out of the way. I got to stop being the salesperson. I got to be a business owner. And what he has done, and I say this all the time, I mean, what he has done over the last few years uh, is, is incredible. He does not have a big business, but we say it all the time. I'll put his business up against a $20 million business any day of the week. John probably makes more money, has more wealth and has more freedom than most people that that are running $20 million businesses in the home improvement space. That's not to say John's business is small, but basically John has a seven figure income and works one day a week. Now, I think that most everybody listening will probably think that that's a pretty good deal. And so if you think that that's a good deal, you gotta listen to what this guy says because you know it didn't come easy. No. Luck didn't have much to do with it. And so, so let's talk about, I don't want to, let's not rehash 2020. <laughs> 2020, what a, you know, people call it, it's funny. Uh, it, people call it a dumpster fire. And I think that's pretty, that's pretty funny and pretty, pretty appropriate. But for those of us in the home improvement business, it's, it's been pretty good. So what I'm interested in is how are you thinking about 2021? Because again, here and, and I want you the listener, I want you to listen to where this is coming from. You know, this is a person that's been in the home improvement space for over 20 years, got a business that basically operates without him, seven-figure income, high profitability. He kind of knows a thing or two about what works in this business and what doesn't. And and by the way, in his now, now that he's gotten the business to a point where it is affords him the freedom to do you know a lot of what he wants to do he helps other companies do the same thing that he does through carefree university of which i'm a big you know huge supporter i have a bunch of clients that you know whenever they're stuck with a sales presentation or they need a sales presentation or they need sales training that's the name i give them so what are you thinking about 2021 how are you preparing? What do you, you know, what do you hope to accomplish? Well, what, I, what I'm trying to do is is stay optimistic, but cautiously so. When this when this first came about, 41% of our revenue came from BJ's wholesale clubs, which is like a Sam's Club, and home shows, fairs, and events. So when this whole thing hit, we decided to shut down for a couple of months, you know, for employees' sake, and you know. While I'm going through that, I'm thinking, you know, we lost 41% of our revenue, home shows. What's this year going to look like? So we decided to come back. Not everybody came back right away. We had to refill a few seats, which sales manager did a fantastic job retraining, getting people out. But all of a sudden, you know, we have a record November, a record December with, you know, a week to go. And we lost 41% of our appointments and, you know, a couple of our salespeople weren't here before the virus. So who knew? So, you know, for me, I'm looking at a scenario where if people are at home and they're spending their vacation money on the home or spending more time at home, realizing how ugly certain aspects of their home are, I guess I'm calling it low hanging fruit. I mean, we, we're on television. We're, we're, you know, we're doing a lot of the things we might not have done before. And I guess what I'm calling a low hanging fruit, you know, you get an ad going, you, 
you put television on or radio or whatever it is, and we're getting calls. So to have a record month when, when you supposedly lost 41% of your, of your lead source, how long is that going to last? I don't know. The way my mind is working, um, as long as it's there, I want to play Hungry Hippos. Remember that game in the 80s with the marbles, right? The hippopotamus is getting as many marbles as possible. So we're, you know, we're watching the numbers. We're watching, you know, where we're profitable. I want to get as many of that, much of that low-hanging fruit as possible. I'm thinking that as vaccines get distributed more and more, I think people begin to dip their toe in the water. Maybe they start to, you know, few vacations, start to come back, right? Cruises, airlines. Is that going to be in the spring? Is that going to be in the summer? Is that going to be in the fall? I don't know. But my target for next year is to take as much as I can while that low-hanging fruit is there, while simultaneously getting our mobile showrooms ready, keeping in touch with those fairs and events. So in the event, you find low-hanging fruit dips. We're We're ready to get a ladder out to get that higher hanging fruit so that we don't miss a beat. So that's kind of what I'm gearing 2021 to do. Yeah. And, and what's great is, you know, and, and, and this is what I'm hearing from a lot of my, my clients is look, we're going to take advantage of this for as long as we can, but we can't forget that at some point this is going to normalize. Right. And when it normalizes, what happens is the weak companies are now all of a sudden, because they didn't have the forethought, the intention of, hey, when things start to normalize, I'm going to start to bring this back into play. Well, you know, Charlie Gundell, Charlie's spoken at Accelerate. He's been on this podcast and, you know, he's a great friend of G4 and the wealthy contractor. He, he said, you know, kind of like you, 25% of his business was, was face-to-face lead generation and boom, that went away. He's saying, well, look, the minute I can turn that back on this year, that is, that's like your, you know, 40%. Once you can turn back on your face-to-face lead generation, because you have systems. Now, by the way, one of the things about John and one of the reasons why he's able to, to do his business the way that he does his business basically one day a week is because he has processes and systems in place. And so marketing is a system. Selling is a system. And so you have a system for how you generate leads face-to-face. And when that becomes practical again, boom, you're going to be ready to turn that back on. Yeah. And if I, if I could add to that, I think what you said was brilliant because it reminds me of as, as I figured out how to be a business owner instead of just a salesperson, I got my start tele, telemarketing. I started my company calling the white pages from my condo bedroom to get leads. Well, at one point, one of our worst years came as a result from, from when we started was Home Advisor used to be called Service Magic. And at one point, we would walk into the office every day and there'd be 70 leads in the fax machine. So I went from eating what I killed, right, going out hunting for leads to having them. I mean, if there was ever any question that socialism is bad and it takes away your drive, that was it. Because as the leads would come in, I found myself, thank you, sir, may I have another? All of a sudden, our internet leads for exterior dried up and I didn't know what to do. So I think now there's a lot of companies who might've been just hanging on and now they're, they're experiencing some wealth and they're thinking, I'm kind of a big deal, I figured it out. Maybe you did, I hope you did. But if you don't have your eye on when it normalizes, 
and be ready to take advantage of having to go back and replace those leads, you're, you're going to end up back where you started, which was part of that yo-yo roller coaster I was on until I was able to figure that out. We're going to stop here for a quick break. 2020 has been full of changes and opportunities. One of these opportunities is that you now get to attend Accelerate Live 2021 from the comfort of your home or office for the first time ever. 2021 is the year that's going to set you apart from your competition. And this event delivers the ideas, strategies, and tools that will help you achieve more high-quality leads, more sales, and more profits fast in 2021. But don't just take it from us. Hear what these attendees have to say. If you want to be successful and you want to learn new things that are going to help your business grow, they're going to help you become a better leader who are going to help you have more freedom as a business owner, you're definitely going to want to attend. If they want to light their business on fire, this is the event to do it with. So go to AccelerateEvent.com today. Attendance is extremely limited and the price is going to go up the closer we get to the event. So get registered at AccelerateEvent.com at the best price available today and set your business up for a successful 2021. And now back to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Yeah, and, and we see that all the time, right? In this industry, you see that all the time. People will ride waves. Well, guess what? When the, ra- when the wave crashes, what happens? The weak yeah. are, you know, if you don't have processes and systems in place to create leads, create customers, convert those customers, make a profit on the sale, get the work installed, and then, you know, go on, you know, from there and make more, you got, you got problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you started with, you know, it's always interesting when we talk about growing a business, growing a business requires us, the entrepreneur in a lot of cases to get ourselves out of the way. And I know I was in the way of my business for a long time. I know you were in the way of your business for a very long time. When I met you, um, you were so in the way, it was like you were four times the size and nobody yeah. could get around you, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you put your you put your ego aside, you put your big boy pants on, which I I believe I did too. And you said, look, it's I, I can't do all of this. I got to look at, you know, am I just going to go be a great salesman, which you you are probably one of the best I've ever met in the home. But you don't sell anymore, do you? No, you don't run leads anymore. Why? Because you had to stop doing that so you could become a business owner. Right. And because of that, your business went from you. You'll show it at Accelerate kind of the growth. But you went from basically a million dollar business to like a six, seven million dollar business. Right. I lost my best salesman, me. And as soon as that happened, we shot. We shot that we took off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, but. But it wasn't luck. Again, it wasn't luck. It was because you looked at the sales process and you came to this realization. And what was that realization? Well, there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, that's one. So at the end of the well, that that and I didn't I didn't know everything. I wasn't as as much of a big deal as I thought I was. Yeah. I think a lot of it for me was realizing I was the problem. It was, you know, realizing I didn't know what I didn't know. It yeah. was 
reading books. I mean, right now we're a lot of the books I read have a lot. If I don't read the books that I read, we're not having this discussion right, right now. Right. But 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 the thing that I'm looking for is what you what you the big realization you came to is because when I first met you, you were trying to hire salespeople and bring them in for training. In fact, the very first time I came to your office, you were holding a training for new salespeople, I think that week, mm-hmm. but you couldn't keep your salespeople. Oh no. Because you were trying to teach them how to be you. Correct. And you can't teach anybody to be you. No. I mean, you certainly can't be John, but I mean, you can't be Brian either. Yeah. Everybody, you know, we have our own little secret sauce. And if you rely on the secret sauce, it's not going to work. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people that are trying to make that switch from either, you know, the marketer of the business, the salesperson or the production person in their business. Well, nobody's going to do it as good as I am. Well, they may not do it as well, but how much longer do you want to do it for? And do you want to put in a system where you can now multiply yourself? Yeah. I right? think the biggest, I think the biggest thing is I wait, I was waiting for the right person to come along. Yeah and make enough sales to allow me to do the things I wanted to do. And when they weren't able to do it, I projected that frustration on them, Yeah. which then had them not like me. And then it was a bad breakup. And that's when you let people go where they quit and don't bring back your iPads and they don't bring back your, cause they've been holding on to it. It took me to realize I was the reason things weren't working out. And I can't tell you how many top producers probably came in my front door and went out the back without me even realizing they were possible top producers because a top producer wouldn't, couldn't work for someone as disorganized as I was. Yeah. And if we look at every successful company in this space, what you're going to see is you're going to see a strong sales organization. You're going to see a system, a sales system, a process. Now yours is 10 steps. Yours is a combination of different things that you've learned from different people. You you didn't magically invent this thing, but you created a system that worked for you Mm -hmm. and you were able to teach it now to others. So when people came in, now you're able to show them, okay, this is step one. This is step two. This is step three. But you've gone even beyond that and in that, and this is part of the reason why I believe your company is as successful as it is and it's as profitable as it is, is because even at step one, let's just use that as an example, you show them, hey, wait a minute, you got to button this one up, close it, wrap it. This is where you have to be before you can go to step two. Do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of that? Because it fits in all you know, and in, in, we're talking specifically about a sales process, but it works in other processes as well. But specifically in a sales process, can you talk a little bit about that, those steps and why it's so important to um, button them down like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I always say in sales, there's two reasons people give you not to buy, the reason they give you and the real reason. And what happens is when you, you know, there's only so many reasons people can give you not to buy when you ask for the sale. So, you know, you have no, no, uh, remember them, no trust, no money, no time, no want, no need, no rush. 
So if you know what those reasons are ahead of time, and this is a, I've been doing this for years, but the, this analogy comes from the book, The Toyota Way. If you can bake the solution, in other words, the reasons people don't buy at the end, what the biggest mistake I think salespeople make is that they, they just kind of do a laser beam presentation to the end, like it's a race instead of a marathon. And then they've got like 58 closes to how to overcome the no. Well, the Toyota way talks about engineering the solution to the problem in the process, as opposed to creating this insane bureaucracy. And back in the day when I sold, even at my best, I'm a, I'm a great debater. So I was able to, I was able to do that, you know, make that beeline to the close and have an answer for everything and wear you down. But that really today with online and things like that, that's really not a, not a way to go. So when you, when what we've done is figured out, these are the reasons people don't buy. So whatever those reasons are, how early in the presentation can we overcome them? So to your point, step one, if you do X, Y, and Z and don't leave this step until that happens, they can't use that as a reason not to buy at the end. Same thing with step two, same thing with step three. And the beauty of that is, is that when our salespeople call in results of a no sale, homeowner wanted to shop around. Well, guess what? Salesperson didn't do a good enough job in step five, price conditioning. You know, they wanted to see what else was out there. That's why the product, you know, if a salesperson gets porched, if that's step one, they can't get past any initial resistance to do a presentation. We know they need work on handling objections at the front door. So that's more or less how we've constructed that. And we've done the same thing, like you said, with production. You know, if there's ever a, this is the third XYZ problem we've had during the installation process, and it's holding us up getting paid. Instead of having a thing that says, well, when that happens, do this, we say, why is that happening? Right? Well, that happens, you know, in the second step of the install process. Well, here's what we got to do in that step to make sure that it doesn't come up again so that when we get to the end of the install, it's where do I sign? Here's the check. And that's basically the same process that we apply to every process and every department in the business. Yeah. And it's, and it's, this is what has allowed you to basically be able to work one day a week in the business, right? You go and you now meet with these different departments and you know, based on the numbers, because it, it, look, this business is, every business is a numbers business and you got to understand the numbers and John understands his numbers. Did you notice he didn't say, oh, about 40% of my business came from this? No, he's at 41%, right? It's very exact, but a point makes a difference, doesn't it? A point of profit, let's just say, on $5 million is $50,000. A point on appointment setting, one point on appointment setting, if you're setting, if you've got four salespeople, two appointments a day, 840 a week, and your conversion rate from, from a phone call is, you know, 77% or 78%, and you have one point on there, what does that translate to in terms of real dollars at the end of the year, right? And these are the things, these are, these are the jobs of the owners to figure those, the math out of the business. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you also decided was, hey, I'm not going to shoot for 20 million. I'm going to be very, very profitable where I am at. Now, that's not to say that John can't uh, take his business to 20 if he wanted to. You know, I say to people all the time, if your model, your profit model is broken at a million, 
going to be broken at three. If it's broken at three, it's going to be broken at six and keep going, right? right. So if you got a broken model at two, it's going to be broken at 20 unless something major, you know, comes in. You are always like price for you. You're not hung up like a lot of people are on price, right? Because price is, is going to be one of your key drivers to profitability. Most people in this industry don't charge enough for what they right. do. You ain't like that. No. You don't have a problem with price. And, and so I guess what there's two ideas there. One is profitability, which is a huge part of what we talk about at Accelerate. Price is another huge thing that we talk about at Accelerate. Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what you're, you know, going into 2021, what are you thinking in terms of both price and profit? Well, at the end of the day, one of the, one of the things I think I condensed this, this phrase is I talk to clients and I ask them, when you started your company, was your goal to make sales or to make money? And everybody says, my goal was to make money. All right. So the goal wasn't just to sell jobs. Well, no. So if you're not making money on this particular job, why are you hustling to get it? Chopping, chopping, chopping. Well, congratulations. Now you got a job. And if you don't know your numbers, did you even make any money? And then what people don't realize is all the service calls that can come down the road actually start to make even less, if not come to a loss. If I can't make money, I'm not going to do it. Now, to your point, I'm a competitor and you know I've got a $10 million number in my mind that I'd like to get to, but too many people look at the top line instead of at the bottom line. Now, I will say maybe I look at the bottom line a little too much because I'm a little slower and steadier in my growth. Well, what I mean by too much, Brian, is just is, you know, take the foot off the brake a little bit. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, if I can't make money, you know, and that's what I'm what I'm after. Yeah. I want my people to make money. And I want to, of course, do a good job for the customer. I can't do that if I don't make enough money. Here's another one. We went back on television after not being on TV for a couple of years. Right. I'm hearing through the grapevine that TV's working again. Forty thousand dollars is a lot of money. So I blindly gave um, TV networks forty thousand dollars to do something that didn't work for me a couple of years ago. The only reason I could do that was because I made money back in the day. I mean, I, it takes money to make money. Right. So to your point, you know, what somebody said through a friend of mine, yeah, I told so and so that you know your profit margin is you know, 17, 20%. And my buddy's comment was, well, when you get to be 30, 40 million, you can't do that. And my reply was without thinking that I won't do 30, 40 million. Right. I won't either. I'm not interested in making a couple percent on all that responsibility. It's just, it's just not worth it. Yeah. What about, what about price? I know that you've pretty religiously twice a year, that's your thing. You, you raise price. Are you going to do that again in 2021? Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and, and the way I look at that is it's, it's not the price it's the perception of value. The problem is there's a lot of salespeople, a lot of owners that I've seen, and they have an idea in their head of how valuable they are, but they don't do a good enough job conveying that value to the prospect. Yeah. Right. So it's not worth what you think it's worth. It's worth what someone's willing to pay. People aren't buying the product. They're buying what the product does for them. So if you aren't able to articulate to that homeowner the image you have in your head of how good you are, then it is about the price. But I think too many owners look at the price as it's the price and there's no control as opposed to saying it's the price because I'm what I am in control of the value 
is just not being conveyed properly. You know, and a lot of owners and, it, you know, and I'm hearing this now because I'm, I'm, you know, it's the end of the year and, and, you know, I have a mastermind group and I meet with all of them, you know, as a group and I meet with them individually. And then I have other clients and I'm meeting with people and I love it. You know, I just, I, I love to meet with people and I love to have these conversations with them. And I, and I'm asking them, okay, you know, for, for 2021, I ask them, where were you in 2020 as far as profitability? And I'm challenging them to grow their profits next year. And the biggest pushback I get, and it's the craziest thing, the biggest pushback I get is, Brian, my salespeople just won't let me raise the price. Anytime I try and raise the price, they revolt. How do you deal with that? Step zero for my selling process is mindset. And we begin training Again, that's a, that's a symptom, right? So a lot of owners will train people knowing they're going to get that when it's time to raise the price. But what they have is a, well, when they say that, this is what I'm going to say. The way to really solve that problem is to say, since I know at some point I'm going to have to raise the prices, and since I know that when I do, they're going to say that, what can I do from day one of training to bake the solution to that problem into the process so that when the time comes to raise the prices, they go, okay. Now, the reason I raise my prices twice a year, and this is why it's important to know your numbers. Last year, we closed 39.4% of the presentations we gave as a company. And we're usually about 40 of our presentations given. And for those listening, that's on the first visit, right? Very negligible follow-up. That's the first visit. So what does it mean when six years ago, for example, let's say my price was, I don't remember the number, but let's say it's five grand. We're closing 40%. Then I raise it to 5,500. We're closing 40%. 6,000, 40%. 7,000, 40%. How come every time I raise my price, our closing numbers don't drop? And I'm going to tell you how I look at it. That means I'm leaving value on the table. In a football analogy, if you miss an easy field goal or if you're in basketball, you miss an easy basket. How do they look at that in sports? Oh, he left four points on the court because he missed four easy layups. Well, I can actually calculate where my price is now and I can go back year after year up until I really figured this out. And I'll bet you I cost myself at least a million dollars in my pocket because if I'm getting that today, I could have got it back then. Now, if I keep raising my prices and all of a sudden my closing numbers drop, well, there's two reasons for that. Either my salespeople aren't trained correctly, they're not the right salespeople, or listen, at some point, the price does exceed the value, or why not sell a shower for a million dollars? Why not get 85000 a window? But because I've been able to raise my prices twice a year since 2013, and my closing numbers are not dropping, I raised my price six months later, the numbers didn't drop, son of a... We left value on the table for the last six months. We're going to raise it again. And my salespeople, no. I mean, you know, I mean, this is just how we do things here. Yeah. So that's how you do things. But let's look at, so somebody's listening to this and they say, you know what? I, I, I got to raise my prices. Okay. And they go to the, they're baked in salespeople. They've got people that have been there for two years, five years, 20 years. And they say, hey, we got we to gotta raise because our margins aren't enough and we got to make more money and blah, blah, blah. They've got this group of people that they're committed to that have been there forever. 
How do you deal with that group? All right. So in other words, because I know this is something you deal with with clients. So if I'm understanding correctly, I did not bake the solution. It did not bake it in. I'm just here. Right. Okay. Right there. That's a value gap with the salespeople. Salespeople who sell on price are also not aware of all the value that they are delivering to the homeowner. And that's our job as owners or sales managers to make sure that our salespeople see the value. Part of, part of the sales training that I do is I don't share pricing. So in other words, once we get to the point where I'm teaching them how to present the product and the price, I'll actually ask a sales trainee, based on what you've learned, what do you think the price is? Oh, we're going to be at least 15000 Okay, well, for what we just discussed, you'd be at twelve. How the hell did you do? That's what homeowners are going to say to you if you deliver it to them the way I delivered it to you. So one of the things that we have to do as a business is we have to ask ourselves, are we fully conveying and articulating the full value that we're offering to homeowners? Because if salespeople think it's the price, then the homeowners are going to think it's the price. People project what they feel on the inside on the outside. And that's why there has to be a start with why meeting. Why are we raising prices? And by the way, it's not because we're not making enough money. That's not a good enough why. You know, say what you want, but human nature, people are, you know, they want to do what's best for themselves. And even the best of us that want to do good for our company too, that main motivation is doing best for ourselves. So you can't tell your employee or your salesperson, we're not making enough money. I need you to raise prices. Well, then there's a WIFM radio. What's in it for me? Right. And then and then we project ourselves from a position of weakness to our salespeople. Right. So there has to be a way to deliver that message to the salespeople where they realize that there is something in it for them. There's something in it for us. And I'm just saying, look at your selling process. Are you currently articulating the full value of what your offer is to the homeowner? Because he or she who has the best story has the best product. And people are willing to pay for the best product. But if they're seeing a pretty good product and then you raise your prices for the sake of raising prices, well, now you got a very good price for a pretty good product. The price is going to exceed the value and you're not going to make that sale. You're going to blame the price increase when in reality, it's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, that's cool. So I'm looking at the clock and we, we need to wrap up. John is, I've asked John for Accelerate. We're still working on, on what he's going to do. We might have a couple of surprises, but I mean this sincerely. And, and Accelerate is not about me and it's not about John. It's about you guys. And it's about helping you, like I said, make more money, keep more money and build a business that works for you. That's sustainable for the long, long term. Um, I've asked John to do a presentation on the basic fundamentals of a winning sales presentation. So a lot of what we're talking about here is going to be in John's presentation. And I'll say it again. If you've not seen John live, you are missing out. I, I will dare to say that if all you want, uh, if you pay the admission fee for Accelerate, which is not a lot of money, and you only watch his presentation and it doesn't make you 20 times, 100 times the investment, then, you know, just let us know and I'll give you all your money back, you know, because what you get from the first 15 or 20 minutes from him can really change the way you look at your business and the results that you get. And he is just one part of, uh, of this event. So I'm, I'm selling the event hard, John, because, you know, you're going to be there 
I'm going to be there. I know the presence, you know, I know what we're putting together for people and, and it's going to be pretty killer. So again, that's accelerateevent.com. Yes, there's two E's in the middle, accelerateevent.com. What is one, as we wrap up here, I'm going to put you on the spot. One big piece of advice that you would give to the listener going into 2021? Implementation. And what I mean by that is for many years, I was a guy, because I have 30 years in this business that people would come to for advice. And I, I, I think my advice was pretty good. And I got a lot of compliments. And I said to my wife, why the hell do people come to me for advice on how to do certain things? And I can't get the hell out of my own way. And then it re- I realized it's implementation. So for example, a lot of the books that I've read through the years, I, I was my brain was loaded with all this information, but where do you begin? So a tip that worked for me very well and had an immediate impact, especially on our recruiting, is I read a business book and we all take notes and we read a book that we like. And then we go to the next book and then we take notes and then we go to the, and then we have an encyclopedia of superfluous information that's never gonna get implemented. It's not knowing the thing that makes a difference, it's the implementation. So what I started to do is I read a business book, I take notes, and then I don't read another business book until I've implemented every last drop of my intention into the business. Now I drive, right, different places. So what do I do to occupy my mind? Because I've read 30 books this year, or I'm in the middle of my 30th right now. I listen to history, I listen to politics, but I won't listen to a business book because it's too tempting to take more notes that I'm never gonna implement. So reading a business book, and even if it's one thing, implement it, right? Get, you know, in, go through the trial and error implementation of it. Once you, once you get it in there, then grab that next book. I think for me, you're going to read a lot less business books, but the ones you read are going to have a lot more impact, especially if you talk to the people in this business who have read a book, who can tell you this is the one that made the biggest difference. You could, you could not pay the dumb tax. Yeah. Um, and that, that would be my advice. Yeah. You and me have paid a lot of dumb tax in yeah. our lives. And, uh, and, and again, I'm going to come back to accelerate. One of the great, great things you get is you get my experience. You get John's experience I and mean, John's read 30 books this year, right? I don't know how many I've read, but it's nowhere near 30, by the way, but uh, it, it's, it's been a light, kind of a light year for me, but you get all of that experience and all of that wisdom delivered to you and basically you're given shortcuts you buy speed you know these events are about buying speed if i may brian is is with this whole book thing is a quick example it took me 15 years to figure out how to manage and deal with people i was i was a natural uh, soldier natural salesman i wasn't a natural leader or businessman i had to learn how to do that i read from john maxwell five levels of leadership. And I was so proud of myself that I did about 90% of it. But then I realized, hey, hey, moron, why don't you read that book 15 years ago? It's 300 pages and probably took you a couple of days to do it instead of take 15 years to figure it all out on your own. So, yeah. 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 But the key is, and like you said, and I, I, I like the piece of advice. I didn't know what he was going to say, but I like the advice, implementation, implementation. It's, it's getting stuff done. It's getting, and, and, I, and I believe, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I believe what it is, is it's stop doing all the automatic things that you're doing every day that aren't moving you forward 
and start to do the proactive things that are going to move your business forward. And when we say implementation, that means do the things that are really going to move your business forward, things that are have multipliers attached to them. And again, these are all things that we discuss over two days in, in uh, South Florida. So John, thank you for being here again. You're going to come back again after we complete Accelerate. We'll talk some more, maybe second quarter, see how things are. I think it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, look, we're entrepreneurs. So I think we're, we're you know, by, by uh, our DNA and our wiring, we're optimistic. And so we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But regardless of who's in control over there in, you know, Washington, DC, or at the head of the state or whatever, we're going to keep doing our thing. And gonna we're going to keep thing. moving forward. And we're not going to let them interrupt and disrupt and screw up our lives, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. All right. So cool, my friend. Thank you for, for being here. Appreciate it. And to everybody listening, another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskabalsian, G4 Marketing Group. Until next time. All right. So that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.g F-O-U-R-Marketing.com or just call us at 305-856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, we started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing. Group.